Welcome to the Open House Podcast. Conversations exploring life, faith and hope with Stephen O'Doherty. Scientists have made significant findings of microplastic in humans for the first time. Studies carried out by European scientists in Vienna. Um, in those studies, nine different types of plastic were found in a single human stool sample. There are fears the plastics could be causing a raft of health and fertility problems. Well, the Boomerang Alliance is a leading force in the movement against Australian and international marine plastic pollution. Now, they say we don't yet understand the full impact of microplastics on marine ecosystems and the potential for long-term risks to human health. We don't quite understand that either, but there is an emerging body of science demonstrating that the chemicals that accumulate um, in those plastics like the plastics themselves, and does enter our food chain. And estimates, according to the Boomerang Alliance, that people who consume average amounts of seafood are ingesting approximately 11,000 particles of plastic every year. Well, Jane Paramore is the Boomerang Alliance Deputy Director. Jane, welcome to Open House. Stephen, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Is this the first study of its kind to find these uh, plastic pellets, pellets in human waste, human stools? Uh, no, uh, there have been other studies that have come before it looking at um, the, the pathway of plastics into the human body uh, and we've seen a few studies that have thrown up evidence of things like um, plastic fibres in, in the respiratory systems, evidence of it going through the, the um, liver and, and uh, through the endocrine system. Uh, uh, this is probably the first one that's actually come out just looking specifically at human stools. I guess you could say on the basis of one study you've got to be careful, scientific processes being what they are, you'd want to see this replicated if if you were going to make grand general sweeping statements like you know all humans will now contain this stuff absolutely i think the interesting thing about this study is that it is small um it hasn't been peer reviewed at this point mm. uh, but it has actually taken in subjects from across a very broad geographic diversity so the suggestion is that uh, if we scale this up to a larger study we're going to find that people across the planet are, are uh, encountering plastics in their their own system well we may or um, may not i mean even the researchers say it's preliminary results certainly but their intention is that they are going to expand the um the remit of the study and broaden it out to to look at more more people across a, a greater um, greater diversity of geographic regions. So, All right, we'll so, be so being yeah, being careful about the evidence base of this. Let's let's put it in some perspective, but then um, ask: Well, how would it have got there? The, how would the microplastics have arrived in the human digestive system? Well, I think this is one of the um, the knock-on effects from other research that we're seeing that is placing plastics in our water supplies, is placing plastics in our air supplies. Uh, we're seeing it from things like our laundry, from things like synthetic fibres in the home, going into the respiratory system. People are dusting and cleaning up their houses and mm -hmm. these little fibres get kicked up into the air, so we end up breathing them in and, and they go into our system in that way. Uh, in terms of coming through the, the bloodstream and, and into the, um, uh, the fatty tissues of the, of the human body, it's coming from things like, you know, people love eating prawns, they love eating mussels, they love eating in a lot of those uh, filter-feeding fish, uh, and those <laughs> creatures are the ones that are transferring it because we eat the whole animal. We, we don't remove uh, things like the stomach as, as we would do with a fish. Yeah. Uh, so anybody that's eating that sort of stuff can pretty much guarantee, given that we're seeing evidence of plastics in the vast majority of those sorts of, of, uh, of marine creatures, that it is actually transferring to the human, uh, human uh, food chain from there. All right. Well, the next thing to, I guess, question or to, to wonder about is what would the harm be? Are there studies, what studies have you seen that would talk to the harm that this could do? 
Certainly. Um, there are a number of studies around uh, in terms of things like, particularly in the marine uh, marine animal environment, um, uh, we see from uh, a lot of seabirds uh, issues around fertility rates, uh, things like uh, birds are unable to form uh, sufficiently robust shells in order to nurse their, their chicks to the state of hatching. Oh. Uh, so we're losing creatures that are actually not able to fulfil their gestation periods. Hmm. Um, we're also seeing it coming into plankton, the very lowest level of the food chain. So once those sorts of things start to consume this stuff, it's, it's pretty much guaranteed that it's coming up the rest of the food chain. Um, one of the other interesting things that we're seeing is... Um, uh, in terms of the, the, the absorption of plastic, particularly in the marine environment. The plastic itself is generally re reasonably benign. The problem is that it acts as a sponge for toxins that are actually floating around in the water. Uh, and there has been evidence shown from studies that the plastic attracts these toxins. And then when they're subsequently ingested by marine animals and by seabirds, that's the sort of thing that actually then leaches into the system and, and can have an impact on, on the biology of the creature. Mm. Well, once again, so it's not to be um, worrying people unnecessarily and, and looking at the, the evidence of it. Are there studies that will show specific effects in humans, though, of having microplastics in the gut or in other body systems? Not as yet, um, but I think that's part of the issue at the moment. The, the problem is really only beginning to emerge in terms of the scale that it is, it is uh, impacting on. Mm. Uh, and this is one of the things that... Uh, we have a number of scientists that we work, particularly uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Scott Wilson who works at Macquarie University and he's doing a lot of work in this space to actually try and, I guess, um, make that connection. Uh, it, it, it's a, a step that we haven't managed to uh, establish as yet, but given what we're seeing in the natural environment, it's not too big of a leap to be assuming that similar things are actually likely to impact the human, human health um, landscape. It is, although to say... Not much of a leap is not a very scientific approach, is it? I mean, if you're going to uh, suggest that people may be at risk or at harm, you really have to be very clear about that before you, before you make such a claim. Well, it's certainly the same sort of situation as we saw with the uh, with the smoking industry. I think probably 50 years ago, we're telling everybody <laughs> that it was all fine and there was nothing to worry about. And and I think the results that have come out in in more recent years have proven that absolutely incorrect. And I, I fear that we're we're going down a similar path just in terms of of what we're starting to see in the natural environment, particularly the yeah. impacts are well, very much directed at at the presence of plastic. As with as with smoking, what's required then is some really good research. You need you need to be able to provide a causal link i'm not Absolutely. not for by no, any means not, i'm not by any means saying that plastics microplastics in our environment are not a problem they're a huge problem we've spoken about it and addressed it on this program on a number of occasions i i just you know sometimes i think we do get we let our um kind of headline rhetoric race ahead of the actual science sometimes it's not always entirely helpful but on this occasion it'd be great to get some better science on it Certainly, and, and that's one of the things that Boomerang, uh, Boomerang Alliance absolutely mm. advocates for because we do not have a sufficiently robust set of indicators to, uh, to identify this problem. We are operating on what we call the pre precautionary principle, that there is evidence yes. there that suggests that the, the knock-on effects may exist for humankind. Yes. Uh, as a result of that, we believe that there needs to be much more work done into understanding exactly what those implications are and what, what the uh, impacts on humans are, are, is likely to be. Yeah, and you don't uh, not approach the problem, which is amongst anything else um, in an environmental in initiative um, uh, in the meantime. You don't wait, in other words. Our guest is Jane. 
Paramore from the Boomerang Alliance. She's deputy director there. Jane, we did see recently there was um, a solution, a fairly novel solution, um, proposed that something that looked a bit like a super scooper or a, a pool cleaner be sent out into the ocean and scoop up the big plastic islands. But um, while that may be helpful in some respects, that's not a, an entirely accurate depiction, is it, of how microplastics are working in the oceans? No, Stephen, that's correct. Um, I think there, there is a, a bit of a misconception around the idea of, of these big plastic islands that are floating around in the, in the um, centres of the currents that, that drive our oceans. Uh, what's actually more the case is, is what we've created is what they call a plastic soup. Um, it, is, it is the collection of a lot of material that is running up and down the water column from, from the very surface right down to the very seabed. Mm. Um, these ideas of, of collecting a lot of this material, they are great and certainly there are uh, a good example of this happening in, in various contexts. Um, ultimately, I think the problem is that we need to stop this material at source because that's the way that we can prevent it from going into the ocean in the first place. Mm. All the clean-up initiatives, I, I absolutely support anybody that comes up with a good idea and, and that we can try it out and see if we can get some of the material that's already in the ocean out of the ocean uh, is a good thing. Uh, ultimately, though, what we need to be doing is actually managing our plastics better, uh, reducing the, the amount of plastic that we use in, a, in our own lives, You know, making choices that actually eliminate items that are unnecessary for mm. Which there are alternative materials, uh, and I guess stop it at, at the, the land-based source because anything that ends up in the ocean generally comes from somewhere on land. Well, yeah, and the great news there is that we already know we've got generations of practice around being aware of our waterways and what we're doing, even from yeah. from the old days of, you know, don't wash your car in the street, wash it on the lawn <laughs> so that we're not putting, you know, phosphorus into the local creeks and so on. Uh, mm. There is already some practice we can build on there, isn't there? Absolutely, and I think um, there's a lot of that knowledge that seems to have been lost in recent years. We've we've had a real love affair with this material, and I think uh, we've lost a little little bit of the the clever ideas that our parents and our grandparents used to to live by, ultimately, because of the convenience factor that's come along with having plastic in, in every, I guess, every aspect of our lives. So, yeah, it's almost like we need to take a step back and remember some of those old ways of doing things before we had had access to plastic at every every touch. (laughs) Yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hankering for the return of the brown paper bag. <laughs> well, do you know, actually, there's a tip for you. Uh, we have a lot of uh, questions around things like you go into the supermarket and what do you put your tomatoes in or what do you put your, your mushrooms in? Go and find a mushroom bag. There's always a mushroom, a brown paper mushroom bag somewhere in the, in the fruit and veg section. If you don't like the idea of putting them in a plastic bag, use a brown paper mushroom bag instead. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I, and it started, it started here, the campaign, bring there back the are. brown paper bag. Now, look, but yeah. it's a serious subject and I really appreciate the work you're doing. And thank you for speaking with us, Jane. Stephen, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Jane Paramore of the Boomerang Alliance. She's the deputy director. One scientific study doesn't prove the case. Uh, there need to be more scientific studies to find out if this can this result can be replicated. Microplastics can be found in the human gut. Um, and then to start to establish causal links between that and effects in humans, the sorts of effects that we've seen in some marine animals. Um, but certainly based on the precautionary principle, and because it's good for the environment, it's certainly good to keep plastics out of the oceans and waterways. And I really like that idea of bringing back the brown paper bag. And I'm not so keen on the use of uh, those mushroom bags for everything. That doesn't seem quite right for me. It might, um, I don't know, dude, who pays for those bags? The mushroom industry? Mushroom shoppers? I don't know. But let's ask, yeah, just go to the supermarket. When you're at the checkout, say, oh, I'd love some brown paper bags. Discover more Open House podcasts at openhousecommunity.com.au.